Audio, the Arsenal Therapy Podcast. Hello and welcome back to the Arsenal Therapy Podcast. My name is Farhan, also known as Gunner Since 96, and joining me here this evening, as always, is Adam Keyes to talk about um, a, a, a rare defeat of sorts and a bit of a sucker punch. Adam, how are you doing this evening? Pretty flat. I think that's that's the end. And I think after we spoke at the end of the last pod, we, we had mapped out this whole way that we were going to win the title. Mm-hmm. And then after City just comprehensively walking around the pitch and beating Everton after 40 minutes, it kind of came to the reality that it's, it's going to be a really, really hard title to win. And then the performance came. So now I just feel... I guess a bit in shock. Um, the other games, I think West Ham, I had a bit of, well, I had real shock after that. Um, Southampton, uh, just a whole mix of emotions. But with this, I think it's just like complete shock at the way we played all round. Uh, where do you stand on this? Yeah, it's really difficult to digest because, as you mentioned, we we, we, <laughs> we mapped out how we could potentially win the league title and the potential of City, you know, maybe the pressure getting too much for them. Um, but we failed to acknowledge that City are just, you know, unstoppable. They're miles ahead of everyone else. Um, what looked like it could be a bit of a bumpy season at the beginning, they've just, you know, They've 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 managed to fix all the little issues as the season's gone by. I think the international breaks really helped as well. Um, the World Cup, sorry, and they've rode that rocky wave really nicely. Um, but that doesn't happen unless you've got all the right people in all the right places. And obviously, credit to them for building such a well-oiled machine. Um, but I think you're right. That Everton win at Goodison Park, I think, was a sucker blow, was the knockout punch for Arsenal. I think, obviously, you know, coming on, com- coming to the stadium um, in the coach, some of them will probably have been watching the game. Uh, they've probably been talking about it. And to see City cruise past Everton the way that they did, it would have been a real, a bit of a real um, demoralizing moment. Maybe a bit too tough for some of them to take, especially after the the, the Newcastle um, victory. You know, coming off that high, witnessing a real grafting effort from City against Madrid. And then to blow away Everton in the fashion that they did, because all of us, well, I don't know if it's all of us, but me certainly, I thought that Everton would would show up with a real fight. Um, you know, they beat Brighton was at five one, and yeah, I, I thought it'd be a, f- a much more contesting game between those two sides. Um, and I don't know about you, but I. I, I felt like going into the Brighton game that it didn't matter whether we won, lost or draw. I felt like after that win against Everton, City had pretty much wrapped it up um, at that point. Uh, I do love how Sky Sports and all the media outlets were trying really hard to, you know, draw this 
or paint this picture of Arsenal still having a chance of winning the league title or this being as open as they as they made it sound to be when in actual fact um City really only needed to to, to win a game and draw a game I think it was to wrap up the league title um and we needed them to lose and draw so actually no they I guess they needed to win two games the next two games if they had won they, they would have wrapped it up even if we did win win um this afternoon so yeah it it <sighs> Even though I guess mentally I was already not necessarily checked out, but mentally I was prepared to let this one go. Um, the, at the final whistle, it was just really hard to take because the manner in which we lost it, um, but I guess a whole range of other factors as well, which I'm sure we're going to be able to die. We're going to be dissecting in this pod. Um, but the journey has come to an end. And in this episode, it would be nice to reflect on what has been a, 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 a tr- tremendous season for a number of different reasons. Um, and it's really difficult for me to find a place to start. Where would you like to start? Um, I guess for me, one of the things which we've already discussed today is Sinchenko's injury. Mm. I think that's probably because that's the only change to the lineup as well. So, so that is probably a very natural place to start today with uh, with the game and how it panned out. And look, Brighton had injuries going into that as well. So it wasn't just us that had injuries, and we should have had more than enough to adapt and cope. We, we obviously didn't, but that's another story. Uh, but Zinchenko, I, I felt straight away it was a blow whenever. He was ruled out. I I think he's someone, he's become a real Marmite character within our fan base. But for me, he's just, he's one of the reasons we are where we are today. And I thought that was a massive blow going into the game. So where did you stand on that one? Yeah, he's very much like the 12th man, isn't he? Uh, In some ways, because he adds so much in so many different areas of the pitch. Um, You know, one minute minute he's, he's playing as a fullback, next minute he's an added... Uh, presence in midfield you find him as a you know teetering on the edge of the box as well sometimes um I didn't read into it as much going into the game because as you know I I rate Kieran Tierney really highly um and I love the impact that he brings on the pitch so I thought it wouldn't be as much as an issue as I in you know as as, as we initially thought it could be um there wasn't really many surprises in that starting lineup because we we expected to see the players on the pitch um, who, who started the game. I guess the only real uh, topic of debate would have been whether Party comes in for Jorginho, you know, whether Arteta wants to add a, uh, a physical presence in midfield when when you're up against a Brighton side who play with such you know intensity, flair. Um, high tempo as well, uh, but yeah, it, it's it's one it's one of those pre-match games where there's not really much to look forward to other than the kickoff. You know, um, I was really hoping that Tierney would step up to the plate and he would kind of seize his opportunity. Because 
this is one of those very few moments in a player's career where it, you either make it or break it. Um, that kind of scenario, especially in the context of Tierney um, and the way that he's been treated by Mikel, uh, in the sense that, you know, he's obviously preferred Zinchenko over him. He hasn't given him much game time, even during periods of the game where a substitution would be nice. He's opted not to bring him in on bring him on earlier. Um, so I felt like anyway, this 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 could have been an Eddie and Ketia moment where you've got your opportunity, make it count however you can, and then talk your way, if not back into the squad, then at least talk your way out to, you know, as big of a club as you want to go to. I'm sure he'll have high aspirations and ambitions to play at the very top level. So if you don't want to be playing for a place um, at Arsenal, then at least be playing for a place um, elsewhere. And 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 look, you know, I don't think he he performed terribly. I don't think it was um, one of those games where we can point fingers at Tierney and say, well, you know, you are the reason why this happened. I just don't think he filled in that space and that gap that Zinchenko left behind. And that's no, not, not and that's not down to him. I just think <laughs> Zinchenko is one of a kind. You know, it's really difficult to for anyone to fill in that gap. Um, and if, if there's one thing, as you mentioned, if there's one thing that we learned from this game is how valuable Zinchenko is. Um, and so it's it's difficult to have this conversation about where we go from here next season when we when we talk about squad depth, filling in gaps on the bench, what's necessary, what do we need to be looking at when um we set out our our objectives and goals for next season um but yeah uh yeah a real blow to to not have zinchenko there what what was the um what was the what was the verdict on him what was the reason why he was up apparently it was a calf injury okay. but he trained yesterday and it, he may be back for the next game he may not ornstein said he would be out all season however he did train yesterday and had a late fitness test today mm. so it's hard to know what to believe right now but just just like looking at numbers as well, Zinchenko averages uh, just over 80 touches a game, mm-hmm. and he's played 27 games. He's got an 88% passing accuracy and averages 55 completed passes per game. Today, Tierney had 38 touches, so less than half of what Zinchenko usually has, and completed 19 of his 26 passes. So just in that alone, you look at the difference in what the two players do on the pitch. One comes looking for the ball. You don't get 80 touches of the ball without actively seeking the ball. Hmm. And similarly, Kieran Tierney has never been that player who does seek the ball. He wants to get it bomb forward, give and go. Kind of that what was considered a modern fullback until Pep Guardiola started coaching. And um, he's very much that. He gets the ball close touch and then bang one big touch round his man, and then he wants to drive it hard and low into the box. He's that kind of player, and I think that's the big thing that we lost today. But I I think one of the things, because I've had a lot of people on Twitter disagreeing with me about this, and I think the Kieran Tierney is a top, top fullback, and I think our system just doesn't work for him, and he doesn't work for us. And it's a case of when he comes in... We're so used to playing a certain way that we either play him as the inverted fullback 
and he gets really exposed because it doesn't bring out any of his strengths and brings out all of his weaknesses. Or it, if we do try to play to his strengths, which we seem to try to do today, we don't quite know how to play it in midfield because we don't have that player that when our midfielders look up, especially those in and around six, they don't have an option to pass it to immediately. And I think that immediate option is what Zinchenko gives you that you just can't replace. And he is a player that I, I talk quite often about a player that only wants one or two touches on the ball. Zinchenko is that player. He likes to get it, give it, take it again, off you go. And that's very much Pep Guardiola's football and ethos. And Arteta clearly wants to do that as well. And I think Tierney just can't do that. And for me, it it's one of those, I want to be clear, I'm not digging out Kieran Tierney here. I, I really like him. He's been one of the real bits of joy in watching Arsenal over the last three or four years when we've been really bad. And I think Zinchenko has just elevated the level. And with Zinchenko, the, the system's changed in a way that Tierney just can't do the job. And I almost think at this point that maybe Granite Shaka would be a better option in that role. However, with that comes another problem, and that's we don't have a natural replacement for Shaka. Mm. And even today, when I thought he was per, I was looking at it and thinking, who would I bring on if I was Arteta? I don't trust Fabio Vieira. Pardee's a very different player. And the only option was someone like Trossard and again, Smith Rowe. He's barely played all season. So when you look at certain positions within the team, there isn't a lot of depth. And if that player is having a bad game, it's very difficult to tweak and change things. Mm, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, a couple more weeks before we get into the transfer talk and what needs fixing or what needs filling in. Um, glad to announce that uh, Monty's back on a pod. Monty, how are you doing, my friend? Yeah, I'm not too bad, mate. I mean, after the abysmal performance today, um, I was just, oh, I was just a uh, lackluster, wasn't it? Um, but now I'm all right. I'm all right. I mean, at the end of the day, we're still second. So, considering Milford was going to be like fifth or sixth or struggling for top four, so got to take that into hand. But nah, I, I don't know what it was today. Um, something just didn't feel right. You know what I mean? Like after we went the goal down. I never, I genuinely never thought we were going to come back. I, I, I don't know if, if you also felt the same. I, I, I didn't, don't you just feel it in, in like, do it was that Bournemouth game, but like, you, you felt something was going to happen or like, um, sort of, I don't know, maybe the Southampton game by a bad example because we drew it, but you, you knew that there was another goal in it from our side. I just, I just didn't feel like we had that sort of a connectivity there. I think Martinelli coming off as well. Uh, early sort of through a spanner in the works. Um, Zinchenko, I think, as well, I agree with Adam completely. I think I do like Tierney. Um, I think he's a great defender, but Zinchenko just fits better in our system, and we we look a lot more fluid uh, as a team uh, and at the way that we progress from sort of from our own goal to progressing forward with him in it's just because I when you look at Tierney you don't see him sort of flying into the middle of the pitch and making those crossing those like those runs in between the lines uh, and, and filling in the gaps he's more just a dead set wing back on the wings beaming down the byline um that's what you what sort of what you associate with him um 
Yeah, it was just a poor. It was just very poor. It was very poor. Um, what, what, what did what did you think, Fire mate? Yeah, well, look, you know, me, 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 and Adam were just uh, having a quick chat about you know overall feelings and what we take from this game, and it was one of those performances where um, it just looked like it was a bit too much for them, having uh, witnessed or watched City, you know walk past Everton in the fashion that they did. And Everton uh, looked good in the first half as well. That was the mad thing. Yeah, in the first 37 minutes or so, they looked like they were going to give him a good game. And um, I thought yeah. you know, it could be one of those... I'm surprised they didn't score like Everton. But I think, that, if anything, that shows just how good City are. Mm. I mean, like, they looked, they just look so composed. It, it doesn't matter. Do you know what I mean? Like They're literally, like, they're going to be in a semi-final for Champions League on, what, Wednesday? They they didn't even start De Bruyne or they they rested some key players. But then you look at their bench and it's just ridiculous. Um, but yet they were still just so calm, so composed. And in two minutes, they completely turned the game around. They scored yeah. two goals in two minutes and boom, that was it. Game was done. After the first goal was in, it was like, mm, this is pretty much done. That's the thing with City. If they score first, you're never coming back. You have to score first against a team like that. And that's what you expect of a team like City. I think Arsenal are starting to sort of earn that respect. But if we don't start closing out the games um, and just sort of dominating games that we should be, do you know what I mean? Like, don't Brighton are a fantastic team and I think Deserby deserves a lot of credit. He's an amazing manager. Um, but we have to be winning. And at home? Nah. Nah, nah. We should never be losing 3-0 at home. I don't care. I don't care. Heads dropped. Game was gone. At like, I, just, I, ne- I never felt we were coming back. I just never felt it was coming back. And that's what we need to get the ruthlessness from City and the the way that we can even come through adversity. I think we'll we'll get that with some belief and maybe some final sort of additions. Um, especially sort of in the midfield, because I think today the the where the battle was lost was in midfield today. We just couldn't seem to keep the ball. Um, even when Party came on, he didn't really add add anything either. Um, and that's surprising to say really, because I mean, when you think of party, you think of just sort of a, a dominant midfielder. Yeah. Um, and he just couldn't get on the ball, did a reckless foul, got a yellow. Shaka um, just didn't look up to it. Georgina didn't look up to it. Erdegaard, he was making some, uh, like, he was doing some passes, but again, wasn't really getting on the ball. Saka, felt so, I felt like Saka was isolated um, because Matoma was pinning uh, ben White back. I mean, Ben White had to, he couldn't overcommit to the overlap because like, if, if Matoma got that ball, it was, it was, it was over for him really. Um, and he was just bullying, it was just bullying us. Mm. And uh, yeah, we lost, we lost those key battles. And I think maybe some, uh, some new youthful additions yeah. uh, could perhaps change that for, for, but I don't know what, after the game, I mean, I was watching it and I, I already sort of, knew that we weren't going to win the league. Um, there was always just a glimmer. I think we all just had a glimmer of hope. Um, and yeah, I think today is just sort of it's just put it all to bed, doesn't it? But I'm happy. I'm happy with the team. Um, I'm not going to, I'm not going to break them just because they lost one game. I think, um, I think they've been amazing. I think, I think they've just been brilliant. Um, so I'm not going to, I'm not going to break them for it. Yeah, just quickly, mate, on your mic, I think you've got the levels dialed all the way up. <laughs> it seems like your 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 um, speakers are about to just pop. Oh right, is that a lot better? Uh, turn it up a little bit more. 
There we go. Is that better? Keep going. Keep going. Hello. Keep going. Keep going. Oh, hello, Farron. Hello, hello. There we go. That's so nice. Is that better? Sweet spot? Uh, tiny bit down. Tiny bit down? <laughs> Sweet spot? I think that's, yeah, I think that's, yeah, nice. We got there, we got there in the end, sorry. <laughs> I did, I did sorry. want to tell you, but you're like, you're, you're midway in your um, uh, monologue and I was like, no, but let me, let, let, me, let, me, let him land, let him land. Yeah, let him land. <laughs> let him land, let him land. No, no, no. Perfect. But right. yeah, so but traffic, no, Monty, what... I 100% agree. Cool. It's like, it is one game. It's like, I'm not going to start beating these players with the stick after that. And it's, as you say, People were saying we wouldn't finish fifth, sixth this season. And we're second, two games to go, 81 points. And no team are anywhere close to us. So I think it was one of those games more that ultimately, I think it was a game where we ran out of steam. That's that's mm. how I'm kind of looking at it now, where I, th- I felt really flat for the last hour. It's funny, whenever I come on here and start talking about games, I, I suddenly relax a bit more. But yeah, I, I think we just ran out of steam overall as opposed to some people uh, are freaking out about Arteta, the players, as usual, just reactionary stuff online. And yeah. But all in all, I think this team have just given us such a great season and mm-hmm. kind of made us all believe again. And going into ne- next season, I can't wait for it. It's mm. this time last year, I was like, look, it's a young team and I was banking on them getting better and us adding a few Whereas this time, I can see a really clear way of how we want to play it, the way we dominate games, the the kind of players we're being linked to, but just the squad that we've got alone, that's enough to make me believe going into next year that these players have got better as the season's gone on, especially the likes of Ramsdale and players like that, who and had ben some White doubters. Well, I think. Yeah, 100%. Although I he, think that he guy was, goes so he was roasted today. He got roasted today, but I, honestly, I think... The progression of Ben White, I mean, we got him as a, a centre-back, right? And he he sort of stepped in with uh, Saliba last, Saliba, with Gabriel last season. And he was great. He was amazing. Um, and then we had Tommy Asu come in and he was our right back. And the fact that Ben White, even if Tommy Asu gets fit, Ben White's still starting at right back. Do you know what I mean? Like that, And that's just credit to him as a player. I mean, he's, he's literally trained and raised as a centre-back and a defensive midfielder in some cases, uh, especially at Stint at Leeds. But it's just been so much progression. I think the main thing you said there was belief in, in the team. Um, I think for a lot of years, it's just, it's been hope. It's just been pure hope. We've had, like, I, I get these random, annoying, just gut-wrenching flashbacks to Baku. And I look at the bloody lineup that we had in that final and it disgusts me. It disgusts, it literally disgusts me. Um, when we look at that team, it was just, and, and to see the strides on which we've come um, to the team that we have now. And for the first time, in, and honestly, I think it's got to be around 14 years, um, there's a team I actually believe in. Do you know what I mean? There's actually a squad. And I'm like, okay, okay, we, we, like, we are now not just hoping to be challenging, we expect to be challenging yeah. for to titles for the biggest trophies we're back where we belong in the Champions League um, and that's what I'm really excited for I want to see Bukayo Saka and Martinelli in the Champions League That that's what I can't wait for um, and I think if we can get a, just a couple of additions um, I'm not talking six or seven just maybe three or four I think we can be a real force next season um, but hey we've still got another game going um, we've got uh, we've got Wolves to look forward to 
I, th- I think there's quite a long break though till the Wolves game, isn't it? Um, was not it two weeks? Yeah, I think it's quite a long. Uh, which is odd. I don't know why. Well, we've got Forest and then we've got Wolves. Yeah, with Forest next. Oh week. yeah, Forest away. Yeah, we? so we've still got two games. There's still two more to go before the end of the season. Um, just before we move on to discuss the game, a uh, bit of uh. Good news for us, lads, um, and the pod. We are officially at Arsenal Therapy on Twitter. So nice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Bit of breaking news literally just came through. The the fellow who had Arsenal Therapy, um, I reached out to him and asked if he could change his 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 handle so we could take it. And he's literally just popped the message through. So yeah, that's uh, a little bit of good news. In light of um, yeah, <laughs> in light of such a an awful afternoon. Uh, but before we do, uh, just you know, dissect the game and and um, you know, actually talk about the football. I do want to ask you both um, a question about this Arsenal versus Man City, I guess, comparison and and why it is that City were so were were able to um, so ruthlessly, you know managed to come back, claw back, um, make it look so easy as well. Adam, what do you think it is that's missing at Arsenal right now that City have? What do we need to do in order to become what City are? In the sense that in a game of football, 90 minutes on the pitch, they are able to make it look so comfortable, so easy, so um, almost casual. It, it's it's it almost seems as if you know they're never really in any trouble. Whereas Arsenal, on the other hand, when it matters, when it comes to crunch time, we're a little bit all over the place. You can sense and you can really feel the stress and anxiety from the television screens. Um, what's the next step in our evolution on the pitch? Not talking about you know adding in um, players or um, you know changes in personnel. On on the pitch, what do you think needs to change? Um, it's hard to answer that without looking at City squad because De Bruyne didn't play today. Mm. And well, I mean, the reason why I, I asked, uh, the reason why I don't want to concentrate on the personnel is because a lot of City's players have been there for a long time. Yeah, I, I, I agree with that. I think City's City have this incredible core of players: the Gundans, uh, Kyle Walker. Uh, John Stones, players like that that have been there, they've done it before. And they also just, they know how to perform at crucial points of the season. But at the same time, again, it is hard to acknowledge that without looking at the number of, the amount they're able to rotate. It's like half an hour to go in a game, they're able to get players off and bring on equally good players. Whereas for us, if you take Saka, for example, he plays 90, in my opinion, too much. And there's times where, even though I know we haven't had an able deputy for him, Arteta's kept him on when he could have thrown someone else on in Saka's position. And just the game was won. You're 3-0 up. Take him off. Give him a breather. And when you compare Saka this season, he went to the World Cup. He played pretty much every game for England. I think he was rested for one of them. Uh, then he's come back and he's played every game for Arsenal since then. And uh, like even Leeds, whenever he was he was out with illness, he still came on with half an hour to go. And I think, so yes, we don't have the depth and that's something I hope will come in time. That's about 
adding players sensibly. We're never going to be able to compete financially with City, but we can do it in a clever way. The other thing is Arteta needs to get just a bit better at rotating his squad. We've seen as the season's gone on, he has got better at it. But for me, I think he's learning how to do this and he's learning to trust his players more. And I think there's certain areas of the pitch where he could change things a bit more and just keep things fresh. Even Zinchenko, we saw the effectiveness of bringing Tierney on for the last half an hour last week. Although apparently Zinchenko picked up his injury in that game, so it may not have been a tactical switch as we all thought. But again, seeing out a game, Kieran Tierney's the perfect player for that because he's the dynamic fullback that will push it in front of him. And whenever you're under the cosh, he's kind of the perfect outlet from left back. He's also the player that runs in, breaks things up, and he makes it difficult for wingers. So I, I do think in terms of if we're just talking about that here and now, how we get to somewhere near City's level, it, it's obviously keeping the squad together, Arteta getting a bit better, utilising his players, and then, that well, I guess that all comes under rotation. Mm. I think another key thing to add to it as well, and we can talk about the players and personnel and all this kind of stuff, but we need to talk at just an operational basis. City have been around, I mean, obviously they're, they're, they're a long-standing club, whatever, and people banter about they've got no history. And But the fact is they've been making history for 12 years. Um, they've won, what, eight titles and they're going to win nine. They're out to win their ninth. They're going to win three in a row. If looking at the comparatively like with City at the moment, um, it's very much sort of uh, United back in the 90s. It was expected that they would win titles. And because they had the won the belief in themselves because they've had the the years of, of, of um, being on the top. They've been in so many tense moments, so many tight games. Um, it was able to get them through sort of Arsenal. I mean, if we, if, if we were talking about sort of uh, the late 90s, early 2000s, we, we could definitely be having the same conversation. But just to be honest, we haven't been in a title race for 19 years. Um, like a proper one anyway. I mean, yeah, you can talk about sort of 2016, 2015, but injuries and we just had poor planning. And that was sort of the main thing I'm, I'm focusing on is the organisational operation of the club. I mean, it, now we're starting to cotton on and we're seeing a lot of changes and we've had a, a, a monumentous turnaround, I'd say, from, from when Arteta took over the squad because it was ageing, just just abysmal. There were, there were some, there was, there's some bright stars in there, but, what was around it was just no support. City have had this sort of uh, this conveyor belt of, of talent that's just coming through. The youth team is also doing amazing, um, and they're, they're, there's no fault on that. They, they're buying the right talents, they're bringing them in. And the thing about City's players, they stay at City. They stay at City, and it's kind of like what Adam's saying in terms of the personnel. They've had that core players, and what you were saying, far, and they've had these key players that have had though been in those moments and. We've got those players, but we haven't had the experience yet. But they learned a lot from last season. That's why we improved. I think the mm. bottle in the top five gave them a lot of uh, still and a lot of um, a lot of fire. It just gave them a bit of hunger and a bit of fire in their belly. This year, we didn't expect to be as good as what we were, I think. I think it was just pure shock. We were like, fucking hell, we're in a title race here. We weren't meant to be here for another like a year or two. Um, so it's 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 been able to cope 
with it. And because they are young and I mean, they won't be necessarily too young in, in a year or two. That's when they're going to be at their prime. And that's where everyone's going to be looking at us. We just need to sort of add a few more additions. And I think we're on our way. And that's where we're. That's 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 how we're gonna finally get to that point where City are. And I think that's the main thing. You can talk about personnel. Yes, City have an amazing thing. They have financial backing, but Arsenal also have financial backing. We've we've been one of the biggest spenders, bar Chelsea, because that's just ridiculous. Um, in the last few seasons, um, the the leadership's learned from their previous mistakes. Arteta's obviously he was a part of City, so I I can imagine when he started, he told them what to do. He told them, this is what City do. This is how you make a winning team. Mm. I, 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 no conversations must have happened. Um, and that's that's the biggest fundamental difference is City have the experience. It, they could have any player in the world. It's a belief and it comes from the fans. The fans demand that they win the, the league. The league isn't a target for them. To, I mean, the target for them is Champions League. It's automatic that they should be getting the league. They should be getting the FA Cup. They should be getting the League Cup. These these are easy easy cups for them, um, and they've well they've shown that they've won what they're going to win their ninth title, which is incredible. Um, it's only going to put them just behind uh, Man United. Um, so yeah, you got you got to give credit to City. I mean, they yeah people banter them. They've got no history, but they've been making it. That's the main thing they've been making it, and they've got the experience to back in. It's the one thing we lack. But I'm not going to be beat down about it. We're getting there, and the one thing I I love the most about this squad is I believe in it. Um, and I think that's been what's been missing from I think every Arsenal fan for a good couple of decades. Mm. Um, I, I mean, I might be speaking for myself, but what, what, what do you what do you think on that, Farhan? Yeah, I, I you know. I, I take a lot of what you said on board, um, both of you, and I do share the sentiment. However, I do I do want to pose the I guess uh, the other side of the 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 argument or the other side of the coin, which is well, what if we have missed the boat? What if next season, when next season comes around, um, and when other teams get stronger and they they have their own reset, and not to mention as well, I think one of the biggest things that we've all missed out is the teams in the Premier League did not see this coming from us. Um, up until the first game of the season, we were very much seen as the soft Arsenal. You know, you could play around us, you could bully us, you could intimidate us. And then during the course of the season, um, that narrative faded away because we, we were able to get in front of opposition's faces, bully them, play our aggressively attractive style of football. Um, and I guess a lot of the teams and a lot of the conversation happening in and around teams would have been, well, this is just a phase that they're going through. It will phase out. They're just having a really good time or really good moment right now. They'll go back to their old habits of making mistakes, capitulating, um, being soft and we'll be able to, you know, bully them again. Um, but now that teams have figured out, well, actually, here is a really good footballing side. Actually, they're not going to be bullied around anymore. They figured out a um, a way of playing that suits them and, you know, has made them one of the best teams in the world to, to, to watch. I think it's going to be that much more difficult to beat teams next season because teams will be ready. Teams will be ready to play us and teams will set up in a way which will be really frustrating for players like Jesus Martinelli and Saka who won't have as much space and time, who won't be able to 
um, interchange as freely as they have done this season. So that's kind of playing on my mind a little bit, but I'm still really confident that we're still going to be able to reinvent ourselves, adapt, learn, grow, develop, because a lot of these players, I mean, uh, Ramsdale turned 25 today, you know, and it's, it's, it's <laughs> again, we need to stop and, f- you know, think for a second, remind ourselves how young this squad are um, and how much they've achieved already. Um, and that's that's the, the, the single factor that I think that separates us from City is the experience, is f- going through those moments, learning from those moments as well. We forget that, you know, City lost in a Champions League semi-final. They lost in a Champions League final as well. Did they? They lost in a final, right? Was it against? Who was it against? Did they make it into the finals? Yeah, they lost against Chelsea. That's right. Yeah, they lost against Chelsea. Thomas Tuchel. Yes, yes, that's right. Yeah. So we have to remember that that team went through some of the harshest and some of the, you know, darkest of times for them in their history, in their kind of story. And for us, this has to be one of those moments. This has to, and it has to, you know, um, elevate us next season. Um, and just on that, let's talk about the game itself. It's taken us about 40 minutes. To, we, we're here. Um, Arsenal versus Brighton. Really nice afternoon. And it felt like the last game of the season in the sense that we haven't had many sunny games this season, but usually the sunny games, the ones that are really summery and, um, you know, there's an atmosphere. Usually the last few games of the season, and it is the last few games of the season, but I don't know, it just gave me that kind of vibe, you know. I guess because I accepted the fact that City had practically won after beating Everton, I just felt like, well, you know, we just need to get through the next few games. Um, but it didn't, it, it, was, it was really strange in the opening 10, 15 minutes because it didn't feel like an Arsenal-Brighton game. It was really kind of scrappy and a lot was happening outside of the football. Um, Like Odegaard taking a ball to the face in the opening minute and Martinelli, you know, knocking into Matoma um, and then Caicedo having a bite at him, which effectively led to him um, later leaving the pitch. Um, Adam, first opening 10 minutes, did you expect for it for it to be as scrappy as it was because you know it was Arsenal effectively playing a different type of Arsenal in the sense that they play a similar type of football they have the same kind of philosophy um if there's another side that plays football like us the closer side I would argue would be Brighton yeah uh, I didn't expect it to be anywhere near as kind of pin like pinball as it was um it was fairly aggressive too. Martinelli had his challenge on Matoma, the header, which really riled up Gary Neville. Like, for me, it was <laughs> one of those. I, I thought he had every right to challenge for it. He's looking mm-hmm. at the ball. Yes, he takes him out and it's free kick, but it's free kick. Get on with it. Neville spent about five minutes talking about it. And then um, straight after that, Caicedo went in from behind him, Martinelli clearly injured his ankle and he was wearing a protective boot after the game, which is uh. worrying. But it it was one of those, uh, it, it was a physical stop-start first half and it, it was just like, it, it was really difficult to 
really get any kind of control on the game. And it, it really surprised me. I thought it would be a much slower start. Both teams would feel their way into it a bit more, but it was just very aggressive from both sides and kind of a lot of trampoline touches, just no control whatsoever. And I guess Brighton settled after that. We just kept on that trajectory of unable to get any kind of control on the game. And it was just, it was just a really disappointing opening that continued right through. So I guess that's where I stand on that. I felt like there was definitely a good tempo to the opening 10 minutes in the sense that both sides were playing at a quite intense level. Um, Brighton trying to pop the ball around in tight spaces, Arsenal closing the gaps, pressing them down. Um, But yeah, it was those incidents that I guess was stopping the momentum of the game to play out or you know, it was almost it was almost like the game was warming up and then something would happen and then we'd go back to stage one again. Um, we did have our fair share of, of opportunities in the first half, though. I felt like we were definitely, although we didn't have the lion's share of possession, we definitely had a lot of the opportunities um, to you know, open the scoreline. And a big criticism of this Arsenal side has, uh, has been not taking the opportunities or not converting, um, not having a, a big enough percentage of converting good opportunities on goal. Um, Monty, did you feel like going into this game, we were going to be chasing the ball around for as, as much as we did in that opening, I guess, half an hour? Not really. Um, I'll be honest. I, I don't go around. I understand uh, Brighton are a good team and um, the, <laughs> They, they they can they can do it to any team, but I did think us being at home, like you said, being a nice day, um, with with us still being in a in a tough fort, the fans be up for it, for everyone be up for it, um, but yeah, it just didn't seem like it. Like you said, it was very scrappy. There was no sort of calmness about the game today. Mm. I, I didn't at any stage feel like. Do you know I mean we're in control? I, at no stage there were there were opportunities. But, I mean that we had that, that could have gone our way, but this you can talk about opportunities in every single game about every team. Um, if you don't finish your dinner, it's as simple as that. You don't win a game. But no, I, 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 don't, I, didn't, I didn't think that sort of Brighton would be able to impose their style of play at our ground like they did. Do you know what I mean? If it was at the Amex, I wouldn't be too surprised. Um but yeah, they they just they were just on it. I don't know what Deserby told them in um in the talk because to be fair, if you look at them, they're actually in a they're in a European chat, uh, spot and they've obviously they've never been to Europe. So it, it really came down. I think it just came down to who wanted it more. And I think maybe subconsciously some of the players have already accepted that they're not going to win the league. Um, Maybe subconsciously, so they maybe not. Maybe they were given ninety nine percent rather than a hundred, and uh, Brighton. Maybe we were like, right, we have to. They have they have like two games in hand, I think, on Liverpool and three games in hand on Aston Villa and Spurs and and that lot. So they have to win. I think their games in hand are against City and Arsenal as well. So quite difficult games. So I can imagine they they were motivated for it. And hey, don't get me wrong. I mean, 
they Brighton have got some fantastic players. I think in in inside in Cizo, is it in Cizo? In Cisco? In Cizo? Yeah, in Cizo, in Cizo. Yeah. yeah. He's yeah. A, what I don't know where their scouts are getting these players from. Because Matoma, baller. In Cizo, baller. Casado, baller. I mean, we literally got Trossard from him and he's a baller. Mm. Like, where are they getting all this talent from? It's crazy. Um, Estupian, baller. He's a proper ball playing defender. I loved him. I literally had him on my fantasy team because he's that good. And yeah, he scored right at the death, which is even better. But, um, well, for, for, for my fantasy anyway, not for us. But they just, they, they were able to just impose themselves and they, they, they looked like they were just having fun today. Whereas we looked like we were stressed the whole time. That, that was the main thing with the calmness. And uh, I think if we had like a, if we were to have to slow the game down in that first 10 minutes, because I feel like, like you said, it was too back and forth. It was frantic. There was people challenging for the for the fifty fifties, and it was it, it was just very frantic. I think if we were able to maybe take a breather, or if say a more experienced player, that that's where like Jorginho's and Xhaka needed to step up, and I don't think they did today. And I think it is mainly because uh, systematically we just got swamped in the midfield. But if if we were able to maybe, maybe that's where Zinchenko might have might have helped. I think because he would have been the extra man in the midfield to just keep the ball for a bit. Do you know what I mean? We needed to keep the ball, pass around, get used to it, and be like, right, okay, this is how we're going to play. Uh, and we were never able to get in, get in, get that in. Well, able to put that into practice, really. Um, and we saw with sort of key battles. Um, like Martinelli at the start, he wanted to get on the ball, and, and like you said, um, got sort of got got nicked, and that sort of why well, he hoping the injury's not that bad, but apparently he was on a boot. I think he was given a boot. Is he yeah. on a boot after the game, which is not good. Um, so we're hoping that's nothing serious. Um, but yeah, I think about it. I think I think it was more subconsciously. I mean, we could talk about the breakdown of of the tactics and how Brighton are, are very good at closing and they're pressing and they can the, the thing for me with Brighton is their counter attack is is just electric. They they got the root one from Still. Um, they've also got a Stipion who steps up. He's kind of like their Zinchenko because they don't really have the fullbacks that come in and add the extra man. It's normally the centre-backs and they go to a back three because Brighton have been using back threes for years. Um, so they're used to that. And then Stupion is, is he's a very tricky... He reminds me very much of like Yeri Mina um, from Everton, but he's just better with his feet. Um, he's, he's, he's tall. He's he's, he's imposing. Uh, I, he I think extra- he reminds me of, um, you know, like uh, Valencia at United. Um, yeah, that's not bad. Are that's they from the same country? Up. I think they might be from the same country. Ecuador. I think Valencia is Ecuador. Yeah, I think he was Ecuadorian. Estepinian, um, is he an Ecuadorian as well? I'm not sure. He is. He is. I think oh, okay. he is. Yeah. So uh, they're very similar good. in the sense that they like to assert themselves going forward, but defensively, they're very, very good as well. Yeah, solid. Um, they, they they were solid. And I think maybe if the chance from Trossard maybe came in, it might have been a different game. I think it might, might have woke us up, but yeah. that's not how the cookie crumbled. And frankly, we just didn't create enough. I think the the possession at half time was sixty eight percent Brighton or something like that. It was, mm. and I was like, "Are we playing at home? Are we actually playing at home?" And I think what we missed was the 
there was there was no calmness. There, there, it was just a, we needed someone to step up, and and no one did today. No no one wanted to take that role and really get gritty and go out of position and 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 support their fellow man. Whereas that that's kind of I feel like what Zinchenko does. And Zinchenko on a one on one, he's not the best defender. Tini's a way better defender one on one, but Zinchenko loves to do the gritty work. Do you know what I mean? And because yeah. he's such a hustler, it 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 bleeds onto everybody else. Everyone sort of goes right. Well, he's putting in a shift. He's making me look bad. Do you know what I mean? I need to I need to match this. And um, and that kind of goes through. And I mean, even the crowd today, they tried to get back into it, but they never really believed. I, that was the I think was missing today. It was it was genuinely the belief. I think subconsciously we just we just gave up. But no. What what about you, Adam? Did you um did you did you see anything different sort of in that? in that first 10 minutes, first 20 minutes that you thought maybe could have changed the game if, if we were able to sort of impose ourselves? Nothing really. We had chances. I think that's the frustrating thing. And if we took our chances, different game because it was one of those where we, we were really, really bad, but we, we did seem to get multiple chances throughout the game. And I think that Trossard one was a big one. And... That was a big deflection as well, and went for a goal kick. But but yeah, it it was just one of those games where it was really difficult for us to get any kind of control. And I think that's that's the key point here. It was we looked worried, we looked unsettled. Um, Shaq is a player for me. He's I always think of him as a player with concrete feet. It's like when he's not playing well, he's got really heavy feet, and everything seems really mechanical. And today was one of those days where his feet just didn't seem to move the way they have been. And again, that could be a result of him playing every minute of every game for us. Um, and Odegaard was the same. There were times where he usually gets the ball in the half turn and he spins away and he just carries it and glides down the pitch with ease. That wasn't happening. And those key players that usually give you that control, they just looked worried, as you said. And I, th- I think because of that worry, whenever the chances weren't going in, that we just we didn't look like we would retain any sense of control. So the minute we lost the ball, it was mass panic again. And I didn't even think Brighton were having to do anything special. Like that keeper has barely played for them in the league. We mm. didn't press him. That geezer was chewing chewing gum, pinging the ball around for fun, <laughs> and looked like like genuinely I've seen people more stressed having to kick about with their mates than he was and <laughs> he was like he was taking the piss out of us and you had dunk just like little passes around the corner giving goes and they they had adam webster out lamp out march out and um, kaiseido was playing right back and center mid and just looked at ease with everything he did but every time the ball came near us, it was like back to those explosive days where mm. we just didn't seem to know what to do. And um, it, that kind of happened right across the pitch. Uh, for me, Saka was one of the more secure players. He looked solid on the ball. He won a lot of duels. I think he won 12 duels or something mad like that. And uh, he had about 50 touches as well, which is way more than he usually has. But it was just one of those games where we just couldn't control the ball. And I think that's what it came down to was when we had a chance, it felt like when's the, 
the, the next chance may never come again because there was just such a lack of control that every chance felt like we needed to take it. And it, that's why I, I think although Brighton had a lot of the ball, I don't think they were they were leaking a lot of chances and we just didn't take them. And I think that that's part of the frustration today as well, that it was, as a team, we looked empty, That, but at the same time, we had chances to win the game that we would have taken a couple of months ago. And then we made a load of individual mistakes that ultimately cost us the game. So for all Brighton's brilliance on the ball, it was our individual mistakes that gifted them three goals. Yeah. Look, in the first half, um, I made a note when I was you know, near the end of the first half. Uh, it became evidently clear that both sides were displaying some really good aspects of their games as a footballing squad. Um, but equally, they were demonstrating some really poor sides of their game. So Brighton, they had... You know, really, they looked really good in possession. They were moving the ball around really quickly into tight spaces, really nice short combinations, but they were poor to react when they lost it. Um, and I felt like, you know, on the counter-attack, we we were quite good in the sense that we were quick to get the ball from one side of the pitch to the other. And that's why, although we, we conceded a lot of the possession, it didn't feel like that a lot of the time. It felt like we were we were great out of possession, the pressing was okay, good intensity, but we were failing to keep the ball and build up the possession. Um, whereas normally it's Arsenal who suffocate teams with the amount of possession that they have, with the amount of combinations and passes and switching it from one flank to the other. Um, it, it really felt like one of those matrix games, you know, where it's just everything's topsy-turvy. Um, but... This is another problem that we need to solve. We can't always expect to be the dominant side in a game. We can't always expect to be um, outplaying the opposition. Sometimes it's going to get competitive. And actually, we should probably prepare ourselves to play most games in a competitive setting where... Because I think a lot of the Premier League sides are getting better at playing football now. I think we are entering a phase where it matters what you do on the pitch rather than relying on individuals. I mean, look, Spurs are a prime example who fa- who have failed to, you know, really look at themselves as a footballing side and rely on Harry Kane, human son, bring in a 60 million signing in Richarlison and think everything's going to be okay. Whereas now their football is dog shit. They have no identity. They have no build up play. They have no sense of direction um, when they're building up. Everything just comes down to a hurricane penalty or, um, you know, getting a little bit of luck on the edge of the box or a stroke of magic. Now with Brentford's, Fulham's, Brighton's, um, Villa's, you know, managers are coming in and trying to assert themselves in a particular fashion. They're trying to work out tactically how to beat the 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 opposition manager in the way that they want to play football. And so now I think Arsenal's next stage in their evolution has to be, well, how do we go into games, not just play our style of football, but also try to counter what the opposition is going to play? Because we should have expected Brighton to be playing in the way that they did, in the sense that they were very, very... Um, intense in possession. They moved the ball around really quickly. They had players like Matoma who were, you know, keeping Ben White in their pocket for fun. Um, 
Caicedo, really good with the ball moving it forward. Uh, what's their fullback's name who we just discussed? Estepinian. Estepinian, who... Um, you know, was really aggressive with, with Saka. And I think Saka had quite a bit of uh, freedom actually in that first half. But um, the, the fact is in possession, Brighton were just far more efficient moving the ball forward than we were. There were moments in that game in, in, in the first half where Ramsdale was finding it difficult to play the ball out the back um, because Brighton were piling four, 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 three to four players on the edge of the box. So, you know, that meant that playing it out of the back would have been really risky. It meant that we needed to be perfect in possession. And the way that we were feeling, it didn't look like we were going to be perfect in possession. So that meant the ball was being played often long. Even when we were playing it out of the back, the fullbacks, uh, Kivior, as well as Gabriel, were playing long balls, trying to find the wide men. Um, so it was a really difficult first half, but it wasn't as bad as the second half um i don't know if there's anything we anything else we want to talk about regarding the first half i mean maybe the last five minutes or so where there were a number of chances um i think one of them was um just looking over here yeah a, a ball um put in the box it got, did it come from a corner came from a, cor a, a, a yeah, corner yeah soccer soccer shot yeah, Saka shots. I mean, Odegaard had a shot earlier on. Saka had a shot which whisked just wide of the post. Um, Jesus so got, unlucky with that shot as well. Yeah. I thought that was in. I it was such a yeah. clean. It was a clean oh. as well. It was a really, really clean strike. Um, but we did have our fair share of opportunities in that opening first half, and I think that was the most disappointing part. And Brighton didn't have that much either. Brighton didn't see much of our of our goal because they were really good building up, but they they didn't find that last. Um, final pass or we were set up quite well structurally so it made it difficult for them to kind of break that final line um, but yeah that's that's kind of my uh, evaluation of the first half let's move on to the second half now because that's kind of where it all crumbled um, it was a really I, I felt like it was quite a good start from us it was really it looked like an urgent start um, Ramsdale with a long ball forward into the final third Jesus with a speculative shot which deflected out for a corner. That was good. <laughs> I felt like good start. Um, Brighton looked a little bit more cautious. They looked like, because unlike the first few minutes where they were piling men forward, in the second half, it was more them taking a, back, uh, a, a step back and just evaluating before they were just rushing into challenges and trying to uh, you know, get two or three men in and around the ball. But they didn't need to do that because the first goal came um, really soon. Adam... Talk me through that first goal. What went wrong? Could we have done anything to avoid it? And have we seen this particular thing happen um, this season? Because I felt like that goal was a bit of a theme as to what we've... It, it, it rings... Um, it, it rings... Rings? Maybe it rings isn't the right bell. Right word, sorry. Um, it... it, it it brings back memories of the the West Ham penalty where um, Part A kind of stops in his tracks, but in this in this case it was a little bit unfortunate because Kivio was clipped. Um, but it did seem like that second cross, where who was it that but Estepinian puts in everything yeah. stopped. Yeah, it was one of those. I thought so. White was being roasted. The minute Matoma started on the right in the game, and the minute he moved onto the left, he had White in his pocket. And that continued into the second half. And 
the minute he went forward, I thought it was one of those, it was one long ball and uh, it got to Matuma far too easily. But Estepinian's run wasn't being tracked. And the fact that Matuma has the time to sort of go inside on white and then just play that ball to the runner and allow him to play, it was very per cross. I think it's Tierney heads it up in the air and then Estepinian kicks it into the ground and plays another really per cross into the box. And it was one of those, all the Arsenal players were looking at the linesman and I think every one of us was waiting for it to be overturned. But the it was only when I saw the replay and I saw Kivier on the ground, it was one of those, uh, you would be very lucky to get a free kick for that at that moment. And even I've seen replays of it, and it's, it is very hard to see. I think, is it Evan Ferguson puts his foot on the back of his heel? Mm. And um, he goes down and he's kind of, he, he's literally like right down and he's holding it. I think his boot might have actually come off, but he that's what he said in the post-match interview anyway. But it was one of those, it's like get back up, switch on. And it's was there enough contact to go down in that position in the box? But then again, there's always, how often do we see really, really soft fouls given? And go back to our game against Leicester when Trossard scored that screamer. And they would check VAR a hundred times to find a reason not to give it and find out White was holding the keeper's hand. And um, I guess it's similar to that in that it's a really innocuous situation, but it has played a big part in the goal. So I've seen things given for that, but I do think it's very soft. And I think as a centre-back, you need to be tougher than that, stay on your feet get that ball out, deal with it, and then go and get in the ref's ear afterwards, do whatever you do. And But yeah, first job, get that ball away. Because at that point of the game, we'd actually started that half reasonably well. We had finished the first half on our best five minutes of the game. But the goal just really killed us. And as Monty said, way back when we started talking today, there never felt like a point that we were going to score. And it just that goal really took all the stuff out of us and again we we still had chances after that but for me it was just it was such a poor goal to concede yeah monty do you do you put this goal down to um i guess naive defending from kivior um just before you know you give your piece i do want to say something on this goal myself and mm. it annoys me a little bit i don't know about you guys but the build-up to this goal was initially a really lovely long ball from their defensive half. i don't know who it was that sent that long ball forward into Matoma. um i felt like a lot of those long balls were being sent down their um flanks you know they're, they're they're wide men the difference between the way that they do it and we do it is that they're able to they're able to get those balls sent to them, the wide men retrieving the balls, whereas us, on the other hand, failing to do that. And the only difference I can see in those two scenarios is that they have got their defenders, their their fullbacks, touch tight to our wide men, whereas us, we're given far too much room and space for players like Matoma to retrieve the ball, touch control, turn, move. Um, and that, that irritated me a little bit, I have to be honest. Um, when Matoma retrieved that ball, I felt like, I mean, this is from memory, 
which you know my criticism comes from um if i pulled up the clip maybe i'd have a a, a different opinion and maybe when monty um gives his piece on it i can have a look but i do remember seeing a number of long balls being sent forward and players like you know matoma being able to retrieve those balls because we were just not positioned well enough and actually that i think the next couple of the next two goals that we conceded were down to just poor defensive positioning gabriel and kivia were just not on the right page today um especially for the second goal i mean the, the the last two goals where their players were were onside and in normal circumstances if you're defending well you're def- you're making sure that you are playing in a um relatively neat line so that players are played offside you know we're not we're not allowing players to be onside in those particular scenarios um but monty tell me is it is it does it come down to a bit of naive defending or do we need to you know cut cut him a little bit of slack i mean you could add naivety i think it is just more um like a sort of game smart i mean right if you're in a if you're a defender in that situation and you are the key man to get to the ball and yes you feel maybe like a slight nick or whatever you don't go down it you you, you have you taught this at fun at grassroots you play to the whistle you have to you have to defend first um and if, like if it was say maybe gabriel who was behind him and not the the man like who had to be on that challenge maybe but i think yeah it was just a bit not necessarily naivety i think it's just lack of experience i mean it's not he's what it came from speciale spezia spezia or was it monza no spezia wasn't it spezia yeah, it was, was, it yeah, was, yeah, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, so that's like Serie A, which is one, it's always been known for its defending quality, um, but it didn't come out today. And I mean, it's not berating him as a player. Um, I think sort of as a whole, he was actually okay. Um, but yeah, that that was just a bit of a silly mistake. That was just a bit of a lack of concentration. I think that like you need to understand the situation you're in, um, and you can't give him anything. You have to play to the whistle and maybe talk about it after. And uh, maybe VAR or something, whatever. If so, it happens. But you have to, you have to stand up and protect that ball. Um, regarding sort of defending, I. What about Ben I, White's one on one with Matoma? Yeah, Ben White was just getting beat. I think, if anything, no. But that's like Saka against one on one against people. Like Matoma is just a very good player. Mm. He's a very, very good player. I think Ben White as well, he was a bit heavy-footed. He wasn't really on his toes. I think the the main one I noticed was the um, sort of at the start of the game. I think it was when uh, Matoma went one-on-one. He sort of comes inside, goes back outside, comes inside, then goes back outside again. And it, it sent White, like he overcommitted, went, went hill first. He loops around, Jorginho tries to close down the space and then he passes a beautiful ball across the goal and, uh, and Cizo just misses it disguise it Matoma just had it had his number today um yeah, he, he was, was he was brilliant yeah he was getting isolated Saka wasn't really coming back uh sort of um protecting that much I think party in that sense would have probably been a little bit better because he adds that inside security um because normally party's quite good at tracking back and sitting there so he can't cut inside so white is exposed Expecting him to try and go down the byline, so he because he knows he can't go inside. Um, so I think maybe that had a bit of a, a bit of an influence, but I think it, I think the, the main thing it was it 
it was pure just lack of concentration. And I don't know what happened in the second half because, like Adam said, like the 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 end of the first half we played really played really well. We had some great chances, and the second half, it's, it's something just didn't tick on. It, it was like we were just still playing. The, do you know what I mean? It was like I, I would love to have known what the manager talk was because if it was good work, boys, keep doing the same thing. I'm fuming. Um, because yeah, we, we we just got bullied in the second half. The only I would say the only sort of bright thing for the second half was Reese Nelson, really. Yeah. Because when he came yeah. on, he looked great. And and if anything, I'm, I'm I'm with all reports of him not um him going to be leaving and not taking a contract. It's upsetting, really, because I I do like Reese Nelson, and I think he does offer us something different. He's a very direct. He's um. Different to Martinelli, in fact, because Martinelli is more of a, a trick style one on one, whereas Reese Nelson gives me that sort of Emerson Smith Rover. He just run, he just runs at people. He he runs, he he takes the tricky angle, so he makes a defender have to commit, um, and then he can he just steps outside or steps inside and and, and sort of keeps him heavy footed. And that chance from him where he just grazed past the post. Yeah, I thought if that went in, that's a game changer because I think at that moment it was two one, right? No, 2-0, sorry. No, it wasn't. It was still 1-0. Yeah. It was still 1-0. See, that would have been a game changer. Um, and yeah, if anything, I think that was probably the only bright thing, really, um, off the second half. I think Party, when he came on, looked poor. But Party's been poor the, sort of the last few games, really. Um, Xhaka was okay. I think Jorginho was statistically one of our best players on the pitch today. Mm-hmm. Um, again, most interceptions. I think most tackles, most take-ons, um, um, and what I mean, you can't, can't go wrong with that. It did an okay performance, but yeah, something, so something was off. I think game game was gone. They 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 realised they weren't going to get it, so they just sort of they were they didn't want it as much as Brighton in that second half. And Brighton were like, right, they're they're, they're easy, they're going for the take-in, and they isolated our fullbacks. They dominated our midfield they added an extra man with his stoppian who would basically he was just stepping up the whole pitch he was just working his way he was the connect he was literally like there's Zinchenko he would start from the back work his way to midfield then go in between the lines pass it over to to Matoma um or they had uh um gross um gross in and I mean yeah we just couldn't we just couldn't get near him today couldn't get near him today and um we just got to give credit to Brighton. I think they came with an excellent game plan and they executed it. But that's that's not an excuse to uh, to Arsenal being at our oh, well, Brighton, which is amazing. We we sh- we just got bullied. We should have the team we had out there was one hundred and ten percent good enough to beat Brighton, uh, and we just missed the the key moments. We didn't convert in those key moments. I think the Martinelli injury affected us big time. Now that's not this credit to Trossard. I just think Martinelli was needed today. Um because his his relentless sort of running, um, again it sort of bleeds onto everybody else. Uh, and it gives a defenders a sense because you have to double you have to double team Martinelli. You can't one on one Martinelli. Everyone knows that. Whereas Trossard they I mean the Brighton players know him. Do you know what I mean? They they've they've played with him. They literally played with him in the season. They know what he's like. They know how to defend against him. So I think it would have been a different game if Martinelli stayed on. But we're talking if buts and maybes. Um, but going back to your original point, I, I don't think Kivior 
had a bad game. I just think he had he just showed his lack of experience in in mm. key moments. Uh, and in that moment, you can't go down. Imagine that was a Champions League final, and he's he's going down trying to get a foul in his own penalty when there's a ball coming across the goal. You'd be losing it. You'd yeah, be losing it. You have. Yeah, I'm, I'm losing it now. <laughs> yeah, you have to defend first. Defend first. Talk about all the crap after, but defend your goal first. But hopefully, he learns from it. Mm. Okay. Well, look. We're, we're, yeah. Sorry. Go on, Adam. I was just going to say, um, tactically, I I think Arteta definitely got it wrong today as well. Just not not in terms of who he set up with, but the way he set up. I think a lot of the way we sat back in the first half, in particular, was a tactical thing, because I've watched a lot of Brighton this season, and they kind of they start with two players in the box, four in front of them and four ahead of them, and then two drop the minute the first player gets the ball and kind of have a 2-4-2-2. Two, two, two. And um, they really like teams to come at them, press them, and they play those cute balls around the corner. Uh, McAllister, kind of the main one that's involved in that. And they almost hit you on a counter, despite start being the team that start with the goal kick. And uh, today, if you look at the first half, Odegaard, Martinelli, and... Or, Odegaard, Jesus, and Saka weren't pressing. So when Brighton had the ball, we were letting them come at us and we were letting them create gaps in their defensive third. And then in the final third, they weren't actually creating anything. It was the midfield battle they were winning, which I think was tactical in the first half. However, that works well if you come out in the second and then press them and start to make them make mistakes, having had that composure on the ball. I just felt the way we managed the first half, we weren't able to do in the second and we ultimately beat ourselves there. So, so yeah, that's kind of my input on that bit. Yeah, well, we're one nil down and Mikel decides to make a few changes bringing on Nelson and Partey for Shaka and Jorginho, who, who I felt like had a really tough afternoon because they were without Zinchenko, who adds that added element in midfield, um, taking away the pressure from Shaka and Jorginho to do as much as they did this afternoon. Um, I, yeah, I, th- I think they were a bit, little bit overwhelmed. But, but bringing on those two in particular, at, at a stage where you're 1-0 down, Adam, are those the kind of changes that you make, or because that shows that? I mean, those those two changes in particular show me that. Um, well, let's just see what happens with these two changes. It, I, I don't know. I can't. I can't seem to make sense of it. To bring on Nelson and Partey, they're two really different changes. Yeah, um, they came on for um, Shaka and Jorginho. Yeah, uh, yeah. I, I was in my head. I was trying to work out who was going where at that point, and um, I think Trossard ended up going into the left eight. And I mean, Nelson had a really good game, as we, we've already said. I thought he was probably one of the few players that can come away with his head held really high after that, but. Yeah, I, I was confused at the change as well. I didn't think we needed to make two changes at that point. I felt that Pardee probably should have come on. But to be honest, I, I would have taken Trossard off. I know he had come on as a sub, but he came on as a sub in, what, f- within the first 10, 15 minutes? It's, I, I would have brought him off. I thought he was that bad today. 
nothing was going his way. I know he hit the bar, but for the most part, I thought his link-up play was very poor. I thought he was they were being aggressive with him and he couldn't cope with that. His decision-making, just his usual spark, all the things that went usually go in his favour weren't. But when Shaka and Jorginho came off, I think it was a funny change to bring off both of them at the same time. Shaka would have been the one for me. I would have probably brought party on for him just because we don't have anyone else there. Mm. And um, because I didn't think Jorginho was that bad. I thought in the first half, he was probably our best player. And in the second, he wasn't as effective. But at the same time, that was because we were playing really badly as a team. So, so yeah, strange changes for me. So there was still Vieira on the bench um, who didn't come on. And well, that's yeah, I'd rather just take someone off. That's the only, yeah, that's, time, yeah. that's the only guy who, who I can see on the bench who could potentially have come on. Um, maybe potentially Emil Smith Rowe could have come on a little bit earlier, but with the lack of minutes that he's had, it's a tough one, isn't it? So, yeah, I guess he didn't really have much to play with on the bench because of the injuries and um, just not being able to rotate as well, not having players with enough flexibility on the bench. Um, Monty, at what point is the game dead? Is it when the second goal goes in? Because before then, it wasn't really nothing. Nothing. Nothing was really coming off. McAllister had a chance with a shot from distance, which flies past the post. They bring on um, Welbeck, which is quite a bright change for them. And it, he, had, he added a little bit of little bit more dynamism in that final third. Mm-hmm. Um, we bring on Nketiah and Emil Smith-Rowe for Odegaard and Jesus, which again, two more really strange decisions, strange changes. Arteta doesn't strike me and he hasn't, he hasn't, he, he he hasn't really acted um, impulsively, if if that's the right word. If anything, he hasn't been making enough changes or changes that we would have liked. So it's just really weird to see him make those particular changes, especially when we're only one nil down. So where wow. do you, where do you think the game mm. is lost? Or do you think in his head that he's just he's he's seen enough? I think game's gone done at two 0 like as a, as a competitive point. Um, but I think the game was done <laughs> the way that we approached it um, personally. But I think as a manager, yeah, the second he went to two 0 he was like, right, <laughs> I'm just gonna have to go again, lads. He was like, right, I'm just gonna give these guys an opportunity because they've not played that much. Let's see if they can do something. See if they can show me that they can they can pull Sank out of the bag, and but they didn't. I mean, Reese Nelson looked the brightest by far coming on. Um, didn't really see much of Smith Rowe, uh, which was a bit of a shame. But now I think the two nil was there was a nail in the coffin. I think even at one nil, I didn't even expect us to score. I didn't even expect us to win nor draw. Um, but the second it was two 0 I, I I literally was so close to turning off turning off the TV. But obviously I had to to watch to, to analyse. Um, but yeah, as a competition, it was gone. I think it was gone. The second that second goal went in, um, 
It was frustrating think... though because when when the substitutions came on, they didn't really get an opportunity to kind of feel the no. game a little bit. The Brighton, I think, and CISO went down for three or four minutes with cramp. He had to he was then forced to come off, and then somebody else went down. Um, and then it was it was it was after that moment where they scored their goal. Um, again, this is probably Brighton just playing a really really managing the game really really well, and Arsenal not having enough is it a case that they didn't have enough desire or they didn't want it enough or was it just one of those afternoons where nothing was just working i don't know what i what what i can put it down to because it seemed on the face of it it seemed like quite a competitive game it it wasn't one of those games where we were played off the park like you know when we went to the etihad and we were just blown away nor was it a freak um result like you know we suffered against Everton. Everton, or... yeah. yeah, uh, and, and it wasn't, you know, uh, an Ellen, Ellen Road performance where we were played off the park either. It was one of those really strange performances where we were always in it, but we just weren't in it enough. So at what point was it, was it kind of, was it was it after that 2-0 two, two point where, you know, it, it was confirmed that the boys had checked out? Because they scored that in the 86th minute, which was very late on in the game. Yeah. I think, yeah, to be honest, they're pretty much checking out. And I, I don't, I'm not going to berate Arteta for doing the substitutions they've done. Um, just purely, I, I just think he he understood that the game was done and he just, he needed to create a spark because clearly what was working wasn't working. And he probably thought, if I can get these players on, they haven't played for a little bit. Maybe they'll try and show me a little bit of bite. Mm. Um, because competitively for the league, it's, it's done. Unless City freak lose all their games, draw a game, which I highly, highly doubt. Please don't give me uh, the hope. <laughs> yeah, no, but do you know what I mean? I just, I just, I think he just went right. Fuck it, show me what you got, lads. Um, and that that was pretty much it. That was pretty much it. Even the fans knew it. You could sit in the crowd. People were leaving. Yeah. Some people were already starting like leaving that like sort of sixty odd minutes. Um. Yeah, the third goal was just sort of uh, Brian just laughing at us, I think. Um, mm. Yeah, it's just an upsetting, upsetting day. Upsetting day, but there's still a lot to look forward to. I think, if anything, it was a, a shot of realism because um, we were we were flying on cloud nine like all season. Um, and this was sort of a, just to bring us back down to reality. To Because to, of what, what I noticed today, the main three things... When Jesus, Saliba and Zinchenko don't play, we go back to being a fifth team. We go back to being a club that finished fifth last season. They were key players that were bought in and got us into a title race. Then we lose Saliba, which I think was the most crucial injury we've had all season. Um, And we lose, well, we draw to West Ham, we draw to Southampton. We would have never have drawn no games if we had Saliba. I'm telling you that now for a fact. We would have won both of those games. Um, He's just so dominant. And like, for instance, uh, Brighton's second goal would have never happened if Saliba was in that box. Talk talk to me about that second goal. What went wrong? It's Honestly, the main thing was purely... um, was complacency. I just think the main thing was just purely complacency. That's and and not understanding the situation. Um, we we looked lethargic. People were 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 anxious. They didn't want to. 
chase the man. They didn't want to give away a foul. They, once that second ball became available, they didn't want to chase it down. Kivior goes down expecting a foul. Defend first, mate. We'll chat about the rest after that. Um, yeah, it just wasn't not ideal. It's, it just wasn't. It wasn't a great goal. Uh, I think Ramsdale maybe could have been a bit more vocal. I think if 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 Ramsdale was a bit more vocal, uh, maybe leading the line, maybe could have been a bit different. I think if the midfield could maybe have pushed back a little bit more to add an extra body in the box. But at the end of the day, Brighton were just better than us. They wanted it more. That that that's all. all. I don't think tactically we were inept. I don't think tactically we were set up that bad. I just think the execution was poor and the application was worse, if anything. Um, and I think, yeah, the, the the main thing I've noticed is when we don't have those key players, such as Jesus, Sinchenko, Saliba, we go back to being fifth. And it, it goes to show if we can have that sign of improvement in one window and we do one more window, where do we go from there? So I'm 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 a half glass, I'm a half full kind of guy. Okay. You know me far and I don't like yep. to get to the negatives. Um <laughs> I, I, I'd like to always look at it in a positive spin. Um but yeah, now today sucks. Yeah. But yeah on, on, the, on the Zinchenko point, as you say, we, we go back to he's one of the players if you take out, you go back. Uh that second goal it goes straight to Trollstar, which is it's a really per pass to the attempts. I'm not sure who he's aiming for. And it's straight to the Brighton player, and then it's very clinical. I think Ramsdale could have done better for their second and third. Yeah, I agree. One of the big things I noticed from that is Tierney's literally on the touchline. Yeah, well, if do it. Since, if I don't know if we tried to set up this way, and if we did, I, I guess that that was something I wanted us to do going into the game is not play Tierney as an inverted player, just because I don't think it works, but. Same time, if Zinchenko's on that pitch, you know exactly where he's going to be when Trossard receives that bar. Well, he's going to be two to five yards in front of him, looking for it, and he gives you that security and he allows you to play out. Whereas Trossard has the ball, the closest player to him is Partey. He's the only real player he can play it to. And uh, that's a massive thing that you notice when Zinchenko's not in the team. And I know Zinchenko frustrates people at times, but for me, it's just what he actually offers on the pitch mm. is something that no one else can. And it's just, if you're going to play that really high-risk football of playing, it's actually a pretty good pass from Ramsdale to Trossard. And if you've got that player in that position, it shouldn't be an issue. But at the same time, Trossard shouldn't be playing that pass. And I also think Ramsdale comes rushing out and then he kind of pauses yeah. and then he jumps at the last minute. And then the, the third goal is similarly, he, he pams it right out to Estepinian and it's a good finish from him, from the rebound. But I, I think Ramsdale is actually at fault for two of the goals there. So for all the praise I give him, I think you have to give the, the negative feedback too when it applies. Yeah, it's not a great f- save from the first shot. Who is that? Who who takes that shot? Is that Undev? Yeah. Uh, was he twenty five yards out? And yeah, it's coming straight to him. He should he should have a stronger arm on it. Um, I mean, the game's dead when we're two 0 down anyway. That second goal is is 
particularly disappointing because, as you mentioned, when Zinchenko's there, that setup from the back is a lot different. Tierney's touch tight on the left-hand side. So if he's touch tight on the left-hand side, I don't see why Gabriel and Kivior need to have such a big gap in between them. I don't know why Gabriel needs to be so far apart. Um, I understand that when we're playing out from the back in that particular, in, in that scenario, where you're not thinking about what could potentially go wrong or what the worst case scenario is. Um, Ramsdale plays the ball into into Trossard. Trossard, for whatever reason, tries to flick the ball over. Uh, who is that? Um, McAllister, maybe, is that? Not sure who that is. Tries to flick the ball over the Brighton man to get the ball into Nketiah. Really ambitious attempt to do that. And then because he loses the ball out, that gap between Gabriel and Kivio is so large, so huge, that there's nothing we can do. Ramsdale comes out rushing, doesn't commit, stops, ball goes over the top. Yeah, it's, defensively, it's just a really disappointing goal to concede. Um, I cannot understand why Gabriel's so far away from Ramsdale. He's not usually that far out. Um, Gabriel's, they showed a replay from a different angle and Gabriel's actually like sort of like behind the edge of the 18 waiting to receive the ball from Ramsdale. So he's taken up a receiving position Mm. and uh, then Ramsdale opts for the pass to Trossard, which again, usually... When Trossard receives the ball, he Trossard's a really secure player in possession. That, that's why it, it, it was just a really, really unusual performance from him. And I do wonder if part of it is a bit of what Monty said, that they're used to playing against him. But similarly, Trossard, he left on bad terms. He want, he came in with that extra adage that he wanted to prove a point. Yeah. And it, it just nothing went his way today. And I think from that shot hitting the bar, early on it kind of went from there um adam talk to me about just on a side note um about the fans and in particular about the fans leaving so early what did you make of that um it's obviously you want to see the fans stay to the end to support their team it's one of those, I guess, you've bought your ticket, it's your right to do what you want. But it's, it was disappointing to see such an exodus at the stadium, especially when so many people are desperate to get tickets to see Arsenal. But but yeah, as I say, people have the right to do what they want. Hopefully, they bounce back and stay and support their team. I, I've watched some horrible defeats home and away over the years and I've always stayed to the end even if I've had that urge where it's like right I'm going to leave I never actually do just because it's like I'm always scared I'm going to miss something I always want to stay to the end and support the team so yeah the fact that there was just so many empty seats it was a sea of red out there it was almost it was quite shocking to see really if I'm honest I really didn't. I didn't notice people leaving, and then suddenly it was empty, and that was really strange to see because it's been a long time since I've seen an exodus like that at the Emirates. Yeah, I mean, look, three nil is a it's a really disappointing result, um, but I think a lot of the fans were leaving even before the second goal had gone in. Um, and now, look, I don't know what side of the coin you want to. Uh, be facing whether you're of the opinion that we should be this 
really ruthless group of fans who expect Arsenal to win. We should be pushing them onto the absolute limits. Or on the flip side, we should be supporting them every minute of the way. We should be encouraging them. They've given us so much this season. It's awfully, um, you know, selfish to 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 leave in that kind of way. Monty, what what side of the coin do you are you more swaying towards? I mean, I get it. I, I, I get it. Um, I know some people want to stay, um, but honestly, I mean, I was oh, I was watching on TV like a lot of people, and even I felt like I just wanted to turn it off. So I can imagine being in the stadium like there was no there was there was no atmosphere. So I mean, like sometimes, like like Adam says, I've been to games where we've been slapped, but the fans are still in good spirits. Do you know what I mean? So like you, you just sort of sing it through. You just sing through it. But it just wasn't any of that today. Obviously, there was the added, I guess, disappointment of knowing that's it. We've yeah. effect- effectively it's over. The, yeah, the league title is gone. It wasn't like you could just shrug it. It was just a collective sigh. I think it was just a. Oh well, yeah, what could have been? Back home for the Sunday roast, you know. Yeah, I think. Yeah. I think like, literally. Um, so yeah, I, I'm I'm not I'm not going to break any fans who leave early. I'm not going to break anyone who stayed and 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 support. Like, do you know what I mean? I'm not. I get it. I, I I get it. It was a poor performance. It and if anything, that's why I think Mikel Arteta apologised in his post conference because he understood. He he was just looking around, being like, "What?" Because uh, when the players were doing their lap of uh, appreciation, there was no one left. Mm. Um. So yeah, I think I think the players probably. I think they they felt it, um, and sometimes it sends messages. You know, it sends a messages yeah. like that because that, that, it was just a bit complacent. It's just like that's just not good enough. I, I don't care. Like you're getting paid X amount of figures to play football and put some heart and passion into it, and there just wasn't any of that today. It felt like a very um, coin the phrase classic Arsenal. Do you know what I mean? Just the <laughs> I completely have a mental blank for the whole day. So. Yeah, that's my taking it. I'm not. I'm not. I don't. I'm not going to read too much into it. Um, players can do what they want, but I think if anything, it affected that it. It will have a knock-on effect to the players in a good way. I think it will probably just highlight them like that's just not good enough. And mm. I think that's why Arteta publicly came out and apologised. Yeah, just just on Arteta, Adam. What did you make of some of his comments um, after the game? It was quite brutal, and he did seem like he laid into them after the game. I felt like it, it was almost a Newcastle moment post-match. Um, I'm happy whenever a manager has that balance. And I think he said at times throughout the season he had that. I love them more than ever comment, which is very pep. He's, mm. he's kind of, he's protected them a lot this season. And I, I don't see any harm in, going into your players that's the thing these players are mentally unbelievably strong to come through the academy system and get to this level of football you have to be incredibly strong to get there and not just gifted it's it's so much is about the mental strength and i think there is this we we obviously want to support the team be positive all the time However, that's not the reality of top-level sport. That's not the reality of sport at grassroots level either. It's like from you're a kid, you get shouted at on the touchline 
in training, you're told what to do. You're told when you haven't performed, you're told what you can do better. And if that's what it's like at grassroots level, imagine what it's like at the top level. Those players won't need to be told that they have let themselves down today. But I also don't think it's a bad thing for Arteta to point at the fans and say, look, you've left this ground empty with 10 minutes to go. So, yeah, I hope, as Monty says, it'll lead to a positive reaction from the players. And, yeah, it's. I think last Sunday we had the huge lift of beating Newcastle. It was just such a mature performance. And maturity has been the word I've used all week and a lot of people have when describing Arsenal. And if you want to be considered a mature side, you have to take criticism in a mature way as well. So I don't see it being a problem with what Arteta said. And if anything, I think that balance is key. I think we saw with Antonio Conte, he didn't have the balance. He just told them, he just laid into his side for a year, which is top-class entertainment. But it, it was this toxic energy, whereas I think when Arteta says something like this, the players are really going to listen and think he is not happy because he usually gives them so much respect like support and takes a lot of the responsibility himself. So yeah, for me, I'm glad to see him coming out and saying that he's sorry about the performance, that it wasn't acceptable. And especially using the word unacceptable, that to me is a big sign. Yeah. That word in itself and just the way that you said it. um, Yeah. That second half was, was not acceptable. And Look, we move on to the last two games of the season where hopefully six points out of six and hopefully we can finish the season on a high, I guess, as strong as possible. Um, but I am going to leave it there. I think we've, 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 um, we've spoken a lot about the game and um, drawn on all the different consequences and what, where we go from here. Um, so yeah, I want to say a, a massive thank you to everyone who's listened up until this point. Thank you very, very much. If you did enjoy this episode, please do make sure to give us a five-star review on Apple Podcast and Spotify. Um, and do let us know what you thought of the episode by reaching out to us on Twitter. You can find us over there at Arsenal Therapy. That's right. New handle at Arsenal Therapy. We are over there on the Twitter Dot com. Um, you can also find the boys over there as well. Make sure you give them a follow and reach out and um, yeah, share your thoughts with them as well. You can find Adam over there at Adam Keys underscore. You can also find Monty over there at Monty underscore official underscore. And you can find me over there at Gunner since 96. Um, and yeah, we will be back as always for the next one, which is next week, Nottingham Forest away, which will be an interesting one because Nottingham Forest are fighting relegation and Arsenal are, well, looking to end the season. So (laughs) um, hopefully three points, if not one point. I mean, does anyone really care anymore at this point? No, I think we need to win the next two. I want us to to at least close out. And we've got a a new Nottingham Forest who are looking like they can upset people. Do you know what I mean? They're, They're fighting relegation battle teams are scary mm. let's hope at least madrid do the business in midweek um yeah but we shall find out if that's the case very soon uh so we'll talk to you soon in the meantime have yourselves a very good week and stay safe thank you very much bye-bye mm-hmm.